안녕하세요. Hello, uh, it's good to be with you this evening. Um, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Um, it's also a great honor uh, to be able to work with Pastor Kwong and, and Pastor Paul. Um, it's, a, it's a delight. Uh, we have such a great team here at Village. Uh, we just had a three-day staff retreat, uh, and I was incredibly blessed just at the, uh, the love and the passion uh, of the people that we have on staff. Um, it's an incredible blessing. It's amazing. Uh, uh, I appreciate this group, too. If we were to take all of Village and we were to look at uh, the different groups, this group here would be one of the most engaged and involved groups uh, in all of Village. And so I'm very grateful for your investment uh, and, and your uh, engagement here at the church. I'm also honored uh, for uh, you showing up tonight. I know there are a lot of uh, reasons to stay at home or to, to not go places uh, with all of the things in the news, uh, but I appreciate you being here this evening. Um, I, uh, I was excited to hear Pastor Paul uh, at the staff retreat um, encourage the staff of Village that we would use this opportunity with everything that's going on in the world, the coronavirus, uh, the fear that exists, uh, that we would use that as an opportunity to love other people, uh, to not only think of ourselves, uh, but to think of people around the world in different countries that are going through challenges, to think of our neighbors who might be dealing with different fears or emotions, um, to think of the practical needs of, of people in our community uh, that might not have the basic necessities um, with the run-on grocery stores and things like that. So it was uh, it was a blessing to hear Paul's admonition uh, to the staff that this is an opportunity uh, for us to love others and to also demonstrate our witness, uh, that we would live by faith in the middle of, of um, challenging times when uh, everybody is, uh, is engaged or, or reflecting on, on things that are scary. Um, and so I would love to pray for us uh, before we begin and just commit this time to the Lord, uh, not only this evening, but uh, just this season in our lives. So if I can, uh, may we pray. Father God, grant us peace that we may sleep in the midst of storms, faith that we might walk forward in trust. Grant us joy that shines despite the clouds, contentment that is anchored in you. Grant us freedom from fear, even when uncertainty abounds. Courage to live as witnesses of Jesus, even when threatened. Grant us love for our brothers and sisters, grace that we may know their pain and be a balm of healing. Grant us attentiveness to the felt needs of others, compassion that touches lives, Ground us in the love of Christ that we might be unshaken. Fill us with the power of your spirit that we may be comforted. Stir in us a hope that carries us forward. Father, we commit ourselves to you and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Uh, 
We're in Mark uh, chapter 8 this evening, and to talk about Mark chapter 8 in what's called uh, the feeding of the 4,000, I just want to return to the feeding of the 5,000, and uh, Muksanim, uh, you preached on the feeding of the 5,000 last week, um, and uh, we see the feeding of the 5,000 as a very prominent passage that shows up uh, in all four Gospels. Uh, it's a, a miracle that was of, of great note. Um, it's uh, depicted in much art throughout church history. And uh, it happened, if we were going to locate it, this is at the top of the Sea of Galilee, looking southward or down towards the Jordan River. The feeding of the 5,000 would have happened to our right. It would have been in uh, the areas of the region that were Jewish. Uh, it would have been in the areas that the disciples themselves uh, would have come from, would have had family, would have had relatives. And so Jesus goes and he preaches. Uh, he preaches all day. Uh, by the way, if I can give a joke, um, you know when nobody has eaten all day that the preacher is preaching too long. Um, uh, but so Jesus is preaching all day and, uh, and in the evening or when it's getting late, the disciples come to him and, and they're worried and they're concerned about their family and their friends and their people. And, and they want Jesus to release the people that they may go and find food. And Jesus, uh, again, the miracle uh, is that he asks what they have. And then he multiplies that for the people. It's a great miracle. Um, and, and it shows Jesus' provision. It shows that like Moses, who brought bread from heaven, and like Elijah, who had a miracle of, of bread that didn't run out, that he is sent from God. It's a, it's a sign if people are paying attention. And so the text continues on, and, uh, and we go and get to this passage in Mark. And... Uh, I guess it's, we'll go ahead and read it right off the screen. But at the beginning of chapter 8 in Mark's gospel, it says this, that during those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them, if I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. And his disciples answered Jesus and said, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. And he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. And when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And they did so. They had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. And the people ate and were satisfied, meaning there was more than enough. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. And after he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply. <sighs> Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. 
Uh, there are a few things going on in Mark chapter 8 with the feeding of the 4,000. The first one is this ongoing tension with the Pharisees, that they have eyes but do not see, that they have ears but do not hear, and they look at Jesus doing these miracles and they don't uh, connect the dots or understand that he is the Messiah, the one sent from heaven. And so even, uh, even though they are demanding a sign, Jesus says, there is nothing I could do that would open your eyes. I'm not gonna give you a sign. Um, so you see that tension. The other interesting thing is where Jesus is doing this miracle. The first miracle is is in this region right here of Galilee. The second miracle is when Jesus came from Tyre up north down to the Decapolis region. And Decapolis is uh, a Greek word just meaning 10 cities. So in this region, there are 10 Greek cities and there's a lot of wilderness as well. We can look at the the landscape. This is uh, where Jesus uh, had his hometown uh, this is at the, at the north part of the Sea of Galilee, looking across the Sea of Galilee toward the region of the Decapolis. Another picture would be to look here to the left is the region or the, the wilderness, but also where the 10 Greek cities uh, existed. And with these 10 Greek cities there, Jesus is preaching. And this time he preaches for three days. Uh, and the disciples never come and ask him, uh, what about these people? They're hungry. You need to let them go so that they can get food. Um, it's Jesus this time, after three days, that notices and has compassion on the people that are so hungry that if he sent them away, they would actually um, fall or faint on the roads to try and find food. And Jesus cares about these people so much that he goes to his disciples and, said, uh, and says that we need to feed these people. We need to care for them. We need to love them. And the disciples don't know what to do. How are we gonna feed these people? And they don't remember that, that what they have with Jesus can be multiplied. Um, I took those pictures uh, when I was on my second trip to Israel. And when I was there, uh, we were with a, a Jewish Christian, uh, a, a man from Chicago uh, who's Jewish by birth, but is a Christian pastor. Uh, and he works with evangelism to Jewish people. And he leads trips to the Holy Land, to Israel. And he's led maybe some 25, 26 trips to Israel and teaches uh, as he's there. And, and um, it's a wonderful experience to see the Bible open up in the land in front of you. And he had us at this shore and was teaching this passage. Uh, and it was an incredibly meaningful thing for him to say uh, that Jesus cares about the people that we lose sight of. Jesus cared about the Greeks. He cared about the Gentiles. He wanted them to enter the faith and to hear the news of the kingdom as well. And, and when the disciples uh, who cared about their friends and their family and their people didn't come to him about 
the physical needs of these Gentiles. It was Jesus that stopped and had compassion on these people. That, that these people matter as much as anyone else. How are we going to feed them? And it's an illustration of the fact that Jesus has a big heart, that Jesus cares uh, about people often or, or always, probably more than we do, that we have a tendency to love our family and our friends those that are familiar with us, Jesus has a heart to go to all the people everywhere, even the people that we wouldn't think of. And so it's an incredible picture of this idea that in the church, we're going to be one, that there's not going to be a Jew or a Gentile, a slave or a free person, neither is there going to be a male or female we are ultimately going to be all one in Christ. This is what Jesus is working for, that all might know him. If we turn to Mark chapter 8 and we continue, we see an interesting uh, short little passage uh, as, as the, the narrative or the text uh, takes us further. In reading in verse 14, we see this that the disciples had for forgotten to bring bread except one loaf that they had with them in the boat. So Jesus is leaving now from feeding these people and the disciples are worried about bread. And Jesus says, be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread that Jesus says this to watch out for the yeast. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened as well? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember how quickly, forget, uh, how quickly we forget, right? Don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? 12, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of, of pieces did you pick up? And they answered, seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? Um, this is what Jesus is referring to, that their minds are on bread. The yeast is in bread. We're hungry because we don't have bread. Is Jesus talking about bread again? <laughs> and Jesus says, um, I'm not talking about bread. If we needed bread, uh, I would provide bread. What I'm talking about is something deeper, something else that's also important. I'm talking about the belief system or the actions or the behavior of the Pharisees the way they do their religion, the way they treat people, that that is contagious, that that spreads, that that grows like yeast. And I want you to be careful about that yeast, the yeast of the Pharisees. Now think of the disciples and the people um, that were following Jesus. They were looking for a Messiah. Um, at this point, a Messiah is someone who's gonna come like a king, like David was a king. And so they want miracles, they want provision, take care of us, uh, they, they think in terms of power, but 
but they probably aren't fully realizing yet that Jesus cares about more than just taking care of their basic needs. Jesus cares about their hearts as well. Jesus cares about their relationship with each other. Jesus cares about their relationship with God. Jesus cares about peace and harmony. This is, um, this is a pyramid that in uh, 1943, Isaac uh, Maslow, and many of you may have seen this before, uh, but Maslow wrote an article for a psychological journal and he described what he called the hierarchy of needs. And he said that it's hard to talk to people if their basic needs aren't met. Um, and when their basic needs are met, then they need their safety, their sense of security met. And if their security is met, then they, they are going to be asking questions about love and belonging. When people feel loved and like they belong, they, they work on their confidence and self-esteem and we can talk about different things. And then ultimately, uh, we're, we're getting to the highest or most spiritual part of a human um, and that's what he called self-actualization. Um, by the way, with the coronavirus, this is why it's so important as Christians that we think in terms of loving other people. Um, because it's at the level of basic needs or safety, uh, people's sense of security, uh, their concern for loved ones, um, their, their concern for the future and, and what that might do, their economic concern for businesses and how that might be impacted are very real needs. So like those in the Decapolis, Jesus cared about the physical needs uh, he cared about providing for people. But ultimately, that's not uh, the only thing that Jesus wanted to do. Jesus wanted to come and to deliver us, to die for our sins so that we could be made righteous, so that we could be made whole and complete and holy. And in being made that way, that we could have a right relationship with God, with self, with others, and with creation that we could be reconciled, reconciled with God, ourselves, others, and creation, that we could become, full, like Jesus, fully human. Um, Jesus cared equally for the, the things that we needed, but also for the things of the heart. The yeast of the Pharisee, if we want to talk about what the yeast of the Pharisee is, ironically, just a couple chapters earlier in Mark, Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites, uh, that they're engaged in shepherding or leading the people, but they actually don't care about the higher things. They don't care about the heart. They don't care about reconciliation. They don't care about serving uh, like shepherds should. Um, so the yeast of the Pharisee, I just want to read a couple things that, that, would, um, that would count as what Jesus is naming as yeast or hypocrisy. False religion. Pride, self-righteousness, individualism, that, that we would be legalistic or have the law very close to that, that we would have performance standards, that we would judge other people by, by the sense of how they're performing to standards, that we would be dealing with guilt and guilting people or shaming people that there would be superiority instead of equality. 
and that ultimately we would have judgment uh, in our heart instead of grace or love. Um, I, I spoke with one of the Sunday school classes at Village on Sunday, uh, this past Sunday. And I talked about Matthew 18 and that we, we talk about it as a church discipline passage. It's actually a church unity passage uh, or a church reconciliation passage. Uh, right before Jesus says, um, go to your brother if they've sinned against you. And if that doesn't work, take two or three and maybe you'll win your brother over. Right before that passage is when Jesus gives the parable of leaving the 99 sheep to go and find the one. And right below that passage, the, this what we often call church discipline, but it's a reconciliation passage. Right after that is uh, the parable where Jesus talks about how the king forgives the debts of the servant. And then the servant goes and is wicked and won't forgive the debts of the, of, of the people that owe him. And then the king, who is like Jesus or like God the Father, calls the wicked servant in and says, the way it was done, uh, the way that you did it to the servant is how it's going to be done to you. You should have had grace like I gave you grace. Um, the point of talking to that Sunday school class last Sunday was to say that oftentimes we have judgment in our hearts. Uh, sometimes I find judgment in my heart but I never go looking for judgment to bring it into my heart. I find that it just appears um, when I don't want it to. Uh, that this is a part of the Christian life that we, we are being made new in Christ. That we are having a sense of judgment replaced by grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. Uh, that the things that would have been a part of the old self are being replaced by things that are a part of the new self, the fruit of the spirit. But Jesus is saying, beware of those, those old things, the, the ways of religion that the Pharisees uh, were enacting. It's like yeast. It, it can get to us. It can spread to us. You need to be careful. Um, what we should have in our heart are the pure things, the things that Jesus was bringing. We deal with a lot of these things today, issues of performance or guilt or judgment. These things that we deal with today, as well as physical needs, they matter to Jesus. It's the same conversation for Jesus, whether he's feeding 4,000 or he's trying to heal hearts or extend grace. Jesus cares. Um, it's the same conversation for Jesus. But sometimes it's different and, con and confusing for us. We keep thinking of food or basic needs when Jesus is trying to take us further and talk about other things. His ways are higher than our ways and his purposes higher than our purposes. Jesus cares. Jesus cares more than us. Jesus cares about more than just our physical needs. Jesus cares for you which means that Jesus cares for every part of you, your relational, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. God desires that every part of his creation be restored to the way that it should be. That's the good news, that God is making all things new in Jesus Christ. What are you carrying um, with you tonight? 
What are we as, as a, a body, as village, carrying with us tonight? What are the burdens that we have? Jesus cares for those. What are, the, uh, what are the things that we're struggling with collectively or individually? Uh, what are the things that are concerning you? Jesus cares for that. What pain are you enduring that the religious community seems to judge you for? That I'm dealing with something or that you might be dealing with something that others um, don't seem to understand or can't relate with that you feel alone or isolated. Jesus cares for that too. What performance standards are tyrannizing you? Whether you've created your own standards that, that you feel like you need to live up to or that, that others have created that you just can't seem to, to reach, what performance standards are tyrannizing you, are heavy, and Jesus cares for that as well. Did he not say that my burden is light and my yoke is easy? Come to me, all you who are weary, and you will find rest for your souls. The Jesus that we worship somehow wants us to encounter him tonight and to walk out with an easier burden, a lighter load knowing that we're cared for, not just with basic needs, not just with safety, but our hearts and our emotions as well. You know, it's embarrassing when you come to KF to preach and uh, an alarm goes off on your phone. Uh, forgive me. Jesus cares when you get embarrassed at KF. And your phone, uh, your alarm goes off. There's a lot of loving people in this church. That's one of the things I love about Village. Um, there's a lot of loving people in this church. Um, Kwong <laughs> uh, shines with the joy of the Lord, right? There's a lot of loving people in this church. Um, but somehow, Jesus... Uh, is always going to be more loving. He's going to want to look us in the eye. He's going to want to care for us all the way to the depths. One last slide, if I, if I might. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a picture that um, Tamara uh, drew in her journal. We're observing Lent this year. And so we're, uh, we're trying to think of ways to use this season leading up to Easter to really reflect on, on spiritual things and to involve our, our daughters in conversation uh, around what's going on in their life and how Jesus cares about that. Uh, but Tamara drew this and it was her way of saying there's something interesting going on that, that as, as a self, like with myself, I need to repent, to turn back to, to the ways that God has provided to, to turn back my face, to turn my face back toward Eden. That with others, if I'm someone who knows uh, I need to repent, with others, I can forgive them. Uh, that I might, if I do that, win my brother or my sister over. Uh, that, uh, that I'm showing mercy as the king has shown me mercy.
Um, and then with God, that all of this, as it's working towards harmony or unity, um, wells up with us in, in thanksgiving, that we see what God is doing, that we experience how God is making all things new in Christ, and we give him the praise, and we give him the glory. We worship God. The English word worship is a, just a construct of two words, um, worth, value, worth, and ship, uh, that God is, is worthy um, he's worthy of our praise. That's worship. And, and these things, when they're in alignment, bring us to this place of, of love. Um, it's the nature of love to bind things together. Love is sticky. <laughs> um, love connects. Um, love is the stuff of God. God is love. And so as we reflect on Jesus who cares about our needs, as we reflect on Jesus who is saying, I want you to be careful and watch your hearts and to watch your soul because I care about reconciliation. As we think of Jesus who cares more than anyone we've met before that loves us, um, we're really coming back to this position where all things are made new. That's the gospel. It's the good news. Jesus died to bring things back into alignment, to reconcile all things. Um, amen? Let me pray for us, um, if I might. But Father, we do...